What a kick in the whiskers. I have half a mind to start haunting you. What are you, some kind of a St. Bernard who's been dipped in bleach? Welcome back, listeners. Did you miss us? Are you glad we're back? We should probably stop that now. Agree. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back to episode three of the Goat American Novel. Tell the listeners what that is, Courtney. This podcast is a goat-focused, all-ages, barnyard comedy thriller for you and your family. Whether your family is three generations arguing over a sink of dishes, or one woman and her dogs curled up in front of the radiator. Yeah, this podcast is made for you, by our family, to enjoy those cozy American Gothic family vibes. We're glad you're here. And this podcast is a journey, so we highly recommend you start at episode one, or you might get lost. Alright. I'm Ursula Buger, children's library consultant, and youth bent on destroying oppressive institutions. And I'm Courtney Lyons, her coordinator, filling in for Aaron Alden, our regular producer. Get well soon, Aaron! Now, Ursula, where were we? In episode one and two... We met the goats, and humans, and sheep, and alpacas, and so on. And so on. And so on. Of the neighborhood around FM's place. And we learned that a new neighbor has moved into the abandoned farm next door, and no one has seen him yet. And where do we begin today? We're gonna eavesdrop on the goat kids of the herd, having a midnight hangout, with the yearling goats, and it's going to be one of those moments where the older siblings decide it's time to, well, sleepover vibes terrorize the younger siblings with, well, it's not quite an urban legend. A rural legend? Yeah, the yearling goats are going to tell the kids a terrifying rural legend. How terrifying. We have a content warning here. So some of our all-ages audience will need to will want to avoid the next 10 seconds to avoid spoilers, and some of our audience need spoilers to feel safe. So if you need a spoiler or need to know when to skip 10 seconds, here goes. The rural legend is pretty rough, so we're just going to handle it as gently as possible in the spoiler. In the rural legend, there's an instance of animal cruelty. After a goat trashes a man's car, the man kills the goat, and then another goat murders the man. These aren't goats from the herd, they're goats in the legend, and we don't make it graphic, but it happens. Okay, spoiler over. Does anything else happen in this episode? Yeah, we're also going to see FM's dream. Ooh, is it a scary nightmare? No, it's just weird. <laughs> a weird mare? Yeah, it's totally a weird mirror. <laughs> I can't wait. Let's go. All right. The night after the meeting of the Milk and Wool Producing Animals Neighborhood Society, Mangoat and Gotina slipped out of their stall and made their way to the moonlit side of the barn, where Dandy was waiting. Where's Silver? Mango had asked. Sleepin', Dandy answered. Well, but her awake! I did, but she said future queens need extra sleep. Well, too bad for her. She's missing out, Mango said, frisking her tail. 
You think we're going to do any eating on this expedition? Little Gotina shivered off her sleep and cracked her head against her sister's chest. All you think about is eating. Danny said she has something serious to tell us about. Listen, Mango knocked back. One of the three of us needs to get big and strong enough to keep Silver from bossing us all around all the time. She's only getting bigger. I swear her horns grew a whole inch just since last night. It's true, Dandy said, kicking at a pebble with her hoof. Our mom lets her have almost all the milk, like she needs it. Gotina bumped gently against Dandy's side. Big isn't everything. Tell us what we're doing tonight, Dandy. Well, here's the thing. You know how our moms had that meeting today? Boring, bleated Mango. Ba, ba, blah, with those brainless sheep. Why do they even have those meetings? Ba, ba, blah. I went to the barn to have a nap until it was all over. Me too, Gotina nodded. And Silver too, but I couldn't sleep, Danny went on. And well, the other day, I'd overheard Raphael and Minerva, the yearlings, talking about apples. They said that FM's orchard would be full of them soon. Like thistles? Mango asked. The way they were talking, it sounded like they'd even be better than thistles. They made it sound like it would be a whole other thing. And they said they were soon going to sneak into FM's garden to see if some were ready now. Great, Mango said. Let's go now. We'll eat all the apples before Silver even gets a chance. Well, hang on, Mango. That's exactly what I thought this afternoon. So I decided to try and find them for myself. I figured this garden of FM's was probably somewhere on the other side of FM's cabin. She never wants us to go over there, so I figured that must be where she keeps the good stuff. Mom told me a story about that place one time, Gotina said. A bedtime story. She said it's filled with broccoli. Kale. Just growing everywhere. Why are we even still talking? What are we, a bunch of sheep? Let's go there, now, and eat everything. Just listen. Dandy said. I, I figured all this today, too, so I snuck out while that meeting was going on. I didn't find the apples, though. I, I mean, I don't think I did. I still don't really know what apples are, but I did find kale. Yes! Just listen. So, I was eating a lot of kale, but I was a little nervous. I was all alone. I hate being alone, Gotina whispered thinking of the previous night's dream. Yeah, so I was all alone in that garden, and there were a lot of those spiders everywhere, big ones building those butt things and sucking the lives out of flies. And far away, I heard... I heard something. It was a strange bleat, but it wasn't a bleat. It was a human, maybe? But... Was it Grandma? Mango had asked. One time she did a fart. That sounded like a pig having a baby. Uh, no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It, it wasn't a goat. It was such a strange noise. Mango stamped her hooves. It's probably just Raphaela getting herself all worked up about the billy. She's completely crazy about that gross billy these days. There's no telling what noise she'd make. Come on, let's go and eat apples. She butted Dandy toward the fence. And kale. And broccoli. No, no, Mango, it wasn't her. And, and it came from the other direction, from past FM's garden. 
far out there and high up. Maybe a wild mountain goat, Gotina suggested. I thought maybe. So I got up real high, see, on a stack of pallets, and, and I heard it again. So I looked out. I saw over FM's gardens, and then I saw, I saw an old barn. At the mention of the words, old barn, the fur on Gotina's back began to bristle, and her long, floppy ears began to twitch. A huge old barn, Dandy went on, with all the paint peeling off, and the roof falling in. I mean, I know I've seen it before. We can sort of see it from the top of our pasture in the daytime, but I never really looked at it before. I was looking at it, and there were those windows, and of course I tried to see through the windows, but it was all dark in there, and most of the windows were smashed anyway. And then I heard the noise one more time. It wasn't a goat noise. I was sure of it this time. But my eyes sort of went to where the noise was coming from. It was coming from this window near the back of the barn. And that's... I can't even be sure what I saw. But there was a light on in that window. And from the light, there was a shadow. And the shadow... The shadow was of an old goat. But the weird thing about this goat was Gotina, who had listened to this tale with mounting anxiety, could contain herself no more. It had one long horn sticking straight out of its forehead, she finished. You saw her too? Dandy yelped. One, one long horn, not curved back, but sticking straight forward. Well, well, well. It sounds like the little babies here have had a bona fide sighting of Bloody Ruby One Horn. The three little kids whipped their heads around. There stood the yearlings, Raffaella, Stefania, Minerva, who had snuck up around the side of the barn. Raffaella, who had spoken, was looking smugly over at them. Mangoat flashed her little tail flag, then jumped boldly onto a nearby stump and fairly flew off, throwing all her weight into her head to crack against her big sister Raffaella's skull. The broccoli is mine, she bawled as she jumped. Go after your old Billy. He's all you think about anymore. Raffaella absorbed these blows from her baby sister with a grimace, then knocked Mangoat to her feet with a mighty sideswipe of her horns. Dandy shook her head angrily. How dare the teenage goats break into her story? And worse, act like they knew more about it than she did. Yeah, she said to her cousin and older sisters. I hear that Billy's 14 years old and he has a beard that hangs past his knees. It's yellow because he pees in it every day. I don't know why you three are so excited about it. The yearling goats giggled, but Gotina shook her horns. I'm never going to the Billy. Raffaella waved her horns threateningly at Dandy. That was last year's Billy. We're not going to him. He's practically geriatric. Don't you know anything? That's right, Stephanie broke in. Anyway, last week we broke out and we made it all the way to the Billy farm fence before FM caught us. But 
Stephanie paused deliciously. We saw him. A new Billy, Raphaela added. A young Billy. Black all over, but with white legs. His name is Lightning? Stephanie continued, and I heard it from a neighbor sheep who heard it from a llama that he has a brother named Thunder, and Thunder is all white, but with a brown stripe running all the way down his back. Mango flopped over onto her back and sent her hooves twitching into the air, her tongue lolling out to the side. I'm fainting. I'm dead. You guys killed me with your gross billy talk. That's not even possible, Raphaela began, but the tiny bleat of Gotina cut through the fight. What do you know about the one-horned goat? Raphaela raised her sharp brown eyebrows. Dandy kicked a pebble with her hoof. They don't know anything about it, she muttered. But she looked up at Raphaela. Raphaela, the tallest of the yearlings, looked around. Minerva should tell it, she said. Minerva was the quietest of the yearlings. She was the only one of the three adolescent goats who didn't join in on missions to spy on the billy. Lately, she'd been getting quiet, as her peers' conversation had become more and more billy-focused. She came over to Dandy, who was her own little sister, and rubbed her chin over Dandy's neck. She glurked up a cud full of old blackberry vine and she let the moonlight dance on her eyes. Okay, tell us, Minerva, Dandy said, looking up. If she had to hear about it from one of these insufferable big sisters and big cousins, Minerva was the one. Well, Minerva glurked up again. The legends of Ruby Onehorn come down to us from all the neighborhood animals. All the animals keep Ruby's memory, but especially the goats. You can hear different things about her from Elmer's sheep and something different about her from the cows down the road. The legends are old. They wander around like rivers. It's hard to catch the one and, and know it's the right one. It's not everyone agrees. But there are some things everyone agrees on. They say... Ruby Onehorn was born long, long ago, on a farm not far from here. Not far at all. And in those days, it was the biggest farm around. A big, rich, human farm, all pumping out gallons of disgusting cow milk every day. Is this supposed to be a true story? Mangoat asked, but her sister Raphaela knocked her quiet. It's true, all right, Minerva said. Some of the legends say it was the first farm in the town. Others say it wasn't the first, but it was the biggest. All we know for sure is that the farmer who owned it, Old Man Westerly, was so rich off that cow's milk that he acted like a king. And he bossed all his neighbors around, and he terrorized the whole town. Because Old Man Westerly was a cruel man. He was mean to his cows, and Mean to his kids. The cows all swear he had 27 sons and he worked them like dogs. Although the alpacas say he just had 27 dogs, but I, I don't know how dogs milk cows anyway. He worked his dogs even worse. His 27 sons and his dogs, or whoever it was, they all had to sleep in the hayloft of the cow barn. 
and they ate nothing but stale bread and just milked and mucked stalls from the moment they woke up to the moment they collapsed into bed. Grandma even said his 27 sons had to make their own porridge out of cow corn. But old man Westerly all the time, he was only growing richer. And he was buying more and more things. He was like a dragon with a hoard of treasures. What's a dragon? Mangoat interrupted. It's an old lizard, Grandma told me about. They like treasures. What's treasures? Mangoat asked. Shh, said Raphaela. Minerva let the moment settle, let the moonlight return to the glint off her coat before she began again. But no matter how many jewels and cars and fancy new outfits he bought, Old Man Westerly was never happy. But then, when he'd grown old, his wife surprised him by giving birth to his last child, a little girl. It was his only little girl, his only daughter. And they say this little daughter was the only person old man Westerly ever loved. He showered her with gifts and treasures and tried to buy her love in every way. One day, when the little girl was coming up on her eighth birthday, which is actually quite young for a human, the mean old farmer said to his little daughter, What dost your heart desire, thou apple of mine eye? Apples? What? What? Is this a story about apples? I'm confused. I thought this was about humans, Mangoat bleated. It is about humans. Humans were weird in those days with how they talked. Grandma's been teaching me all about it, Minerva said. Anyway, get back to the story, Gotina said impatiently. Anyway, to his great surprise, his little daughter said, I want a team of goats, Daddy. Two pretty little goats to pull me around in a little wicker cart of a Sunday afternoon. Now the farmer, who was used to bossing everyone around, said, My little apple blossom, thou knowest not how savage is a goat. A goat is the very symbol of the devil. Um, are you making this part up? Stephanie said, I don't really know what, how could you know what he, what does that even mean? Mangoat said, what is the devil? Oh, um, I think it's like a really nasty human, Stephanie said who, like, loves gross things and rolls in poop or something. Anyway, all humans hate him. He's, like, the guy who pumps the septic tank, only worse, because he likes it. That makes no sense at all, Dandy said. Why would goats be the symbol of that? Dogs roll in poop. Dogs should be the symbol of that. Anyway, Minerva said, he tried to refuse her. But she kept crying and begging him for the goats. And finally, he bought her two little goat kids. And that was Ruby and her sister. They were La Manchas, like those goats down the road, so weird looking to begin with because La Manchas have no ears. I was wondering about that, Dandy said. How do they hear? Their ears are inside their heads, like inside their brains. Did you know we all have brains? Stephanie said. Everyone glanced at her for a moment quietly. Minerva went on. The ears are inside the head, in the brain, I guess. Anyway, they were already weird looking, but then right away, old man Westerly burned off their horn buds because he was sure that if he let their horns grow, they would poke his little daughter in the eye. All the little goats shuddered at the horror of 
having their horns burned off. It's ridiculous, Dandy said. Our horns curl behind our ears. How could we possibly poke a human in the eye? Well, I know, Dandy, but actually a lot of humans do this to goats. They call it dehorning, but in Ruby's case, it didn't take. It didn't work like he wanted it to. One horn got completely burnt off, but the other, it was sort of scarred, so it grew back weird. Not back and curled like it's supposed to, but straight out to the front, Gotina whispered. Like a unicorn, Stephanie gushed. What is a unicorn? I don't know, but the cows across the road always say that. They always say that, like a unicorn. I saw her in my dream, Gotina added. I saw her too, Dandy said, but not in a dream. I saw her something like a shadow. In the old barn behind FM's house. Hey, do you think it's the same barn from the story? All the goats felt chills. Well, I don't know, Minerva said, but I do know that as Ruby grew, her horn grew, long and pointy. And in spite of her hatred for the farmer, for what he had done to her horns, she and her sister, whose name is lost to time, they loved the little girl. They loved pulling her in the wicker cart. But one day, Ruby's sister got out of her pen. Of course she did. She's a goat, Mangoat said. Well, the animals say different things at this point. Some say the sister went on a rampage inside the house, smashing up all his nice lamps. Others say she jumped all over his brand new car and smashed the glass and scratched up the paint. And back then, almost nobody even had cars. He was the only one in the neighborhood to even own a car. Anyway, whatever it was, she wrecked some of his treasures. And when old man Westerly found Ruby's sister doing whatever it was she did, well, it's bad. Tell us, Mango bawled. He killed her. I think he hit her with his car. Once Ruby found out what he'd done, she she stayed in her stall for three days, grieving. She was all alone now. But on the morning of the fourth day, she stopped grieving. Now, I don't know, maybe she'd been watching those 27 sons sharpening their knives on their sharpening stones. Because Ruby found a stone of her own. And well... She waited for Old Man Westerly to come by her stall. She waited days there, just waiting for her chance at him, and sharpening her horn against an old rock that was in her stall, sharpening her one long horn until it was sharp like a knife. Then she saw Old Man Westerly passing by. She broke out. She stabbed him right through the heart. Mangoat said. Gruesome, Dandy said. And after that, Stephanie couldn't stop herself from busting in to finish the story. The humans just went totally cracker going, like Westerly's wife and daughter and the 27 sons, and they like ran away or something, and they sold all the cows, but they just like shoved all his stuff into the barn to rot. But they didn't sell Ruby. They just locked her up in the barn. 
Ruby had the last laugh. Minerva resumed control of the story. She outlived the whole family. She lived like a queen up there, living off the blackberries and the ivy that grew over all the roof and the windows. And she lived among all that stuff for so long that they say somehow she became almost half-human. She grew to be so wise. And she knew so many things from living among all that strange human stuff that all the animals around would go to the window of the barn. And they'd call up to her and ask her for advice. And they say that even now, after Ruby's been dead for a hundred years, she still makes herself seen sometimes. And that when the animals around here, especially the goats, are in their time of need, Ruby guides the animals with her wisdom from beyond the grave. There was a long moment that followed this, in which the shadows of the branches dancing and clicking against one another could be heard in the night breeze. A little Gotina could not stop thinking of Ruby. Ruby, who she had seen. She leaned up against Mangoat's warm, solid side. Mangoat looked down at her little sister's eyes, full of, well, Mangoat couldn't tangle it out. She didn't know the feeling she saw in her sister's eyes, but she didn't like it. I don't believe it, Mangoat pleaded. Don't believe a word of that old nonsense, Gotina. These moony-brained yearlings just heard a bunch of hooey from some old cows. I talk to cows. They just run their old mouths like they have no idea what's even going on. But Gotina and Dandy ignored this, and Dandy looked keenly up at her big sister. How does Ruby guide animals when she's gone to the land beyond? Stephanie could control herself no longer. It's time! Let's show them! Come on! And with that, Stephanie charged under the fence and ran out into the night. While her kids and yearlings were running wild in the warm August night, F.M. was tossing and turning in her bed. She was asleep, but... It was a disturbed sleep. Her rheumatism was hurting worse than ever, and the pain in her back invaded her sleep. In her dream, her bed had become a hospital bed. Her nightgown, a hospital gown, and two doctors stood over her. And the doctors were wearing plague masks and black gowns. And if you don't know what a plague mask is, ask your strangest auntie to show you a picture. The disguises didn't fool FM. I know who you are, both of you. Pearl, I see you behind that creepy mask. You can't operate on me, Pearl. You're my dog. But the other figure, with its gray fur, whiskers and soft ears and tail poking out from behind the plague doctor mask, Gave F.M. pause. Grazzo? Is that you? 
FM tried to clear her eyes, but you can't clear your eyes in sleep, and there was no denying it. The other doctor was her old grey cat, Gratso, who had been in the land beyond these last eight years. Gratso, how are you here? Why are you so big? I'm so happy to see you, but why are you dressed like an old-time doctor? You don't get to doctor on me either, Gratso. You're a cat, and you're not even an alive cat. The two doctor pets ignored her. They turned to one another and shook their heads soberly. We can do nothing for her, said the Gratso cat doctor. Nothing for her, agreed the Pearl doctor. It's very bad, said the Gratso doctor. Very bad, agreed the Pearl doctor. Dogs are so stupid, said the Gratso doctor. They have nothing to say for themselves. To say for themselves? Wait, we are not. I mean, we are, we are so. I mean, we do not. The Pearl doctor sputtered. Pathetic, said the Gratso doctor. I can't believe FM replaced me with a dog. What a kick in the whiskers. I have half a mind to start haunting you. What are you, some kind of a St. Bernard who's been dipped in bleach? I'm a great Pyrenees, and I'd like to see you try it. I could bite you in half. You can't bite a ghost, you great oaf. Go ahead and try. You'll end up biting your own tongue off. Besides, no dog has ever gotten the best of a cat, dead or alive. Hey, hey, FM called. Why are you two squabbling like siblings? Isn't this supposed to be about your patient? My rheumatism is getting worse. The two doctors stopped their squabbling and turned their attention back to her. Resumed their somber head-shaking. The patient will have to take the seaside cure. The seaside cure? It's her only hope, Pearl Doctor agreed. It's probably a wasting illness or consumption or something, Gratso said. Consumption or something? I don't have consumption. F.M. protested. I have rheumatoid arthritis. My prescription is to go to SeasideVacations.com. SeasideVacations.com. You need the Seaside Cure. The Seaside Cure. Where are we going? It's really far from our mom's barn. Gotina said as they crossed the third fence, well into neighbor Millicent's property. This is like, well, this is it. Stephanie brought the kids up short at the mouth of a small, tidy barn. Is this the barn where that old goat died after she stabbed a whole family to death? No way. Uh Uh-uh. I ain't going up there haunted by an old murdering ghost. Mangoat bleated, beginning to buck and rear on her back legs, spine bristling. This isn't the barn where we saw Ruby, Dandy told her. No, this ain't it. That place was dusty and musty and all rotted, Gotina said, shivering at the memory of her dream. This is just a nice little barn where that crazy alpaca lady does, like, I don't know, flower stuff. And she keeps the alpaca's hay up top, too. But, well, you're old enough. This is fun. I've been waiting so long for this, Stephanie said, nosing the door open. But Raffaella the leader of the yearlings, who had kept quiet throughout the story of Ruby Onehorn, now butted Mango, then Dandy, then Gotina, just to show them she could. I don't think they're old enough to learn about this kind of stuff, 
You shouldn't have told them. They're babies and they're annoying. And now they're probably going to tell our moms. Well, we're here now. Besides, they saw Ruby. We should show it to them. Show us what? Dandy asked. Okay, this place is like our little hangout. Like it's a clubhouse for goats at night. Anyway, that alpaca lady never finds us in here. But like, don't tell our moms about this. Raffaella rolled her eyes. Gotina's totally going to tell our mom. She's like mom's pet. But Stephanie was excited now and couldn't stop. And we have something in here from Ruby. It's, come on. The three yearlings and the three kids tromped into the barn Millicent used for making and storing the dried floral arrangements and alpaca fiber art that she sold online as part of her business. The bottom area was neatly arranged with herbs on drying racks, and Mangoat went to browse on them, but Minerva stopped her. Don't eat it. That alpaca lady would know we were here, plus she sprays it with some gross stuff that tastes really bad. Come on, come up to the hayloft. All six young goats made short work of climbing the rudimentary ladders which led up to the loft. Once they were all up, Stephanie reached behind a hay bale and pushed out into the little shaft of moonbeam that came through the window. A very old piece of wood. What's that? Dandy asked. This is what Ruby uses to contact the living, Stephanie gushed. I got it from a cow. She said it belonged rightly to goats because it was Ruby's. The three kids stood over the piece of old wood. They could not, of course, understand that they were looking at letters, but they recognized that the board was covered with some human markings, and in the very center of it, there was a very old horseshoe, with one of its ends daubed with something red. And the horseshoe was attached loosely to the board with an iron fencing nail. In addition to the mysterious human markings which made up most of the surface of the board, there were images on the corners as well, and these the kids could make out. There were stars and moons. There was also the likeness of a chicken, a cow a horse and a sheep, and these were painted on, but to these had been added a portrait of a goat with one horn. And this, this portrait had been scratched into the wood. She did it with her horn, Gotina whispered, awed. That's just what she looked like in my dream. She made a picture of herself. The sign says Western Star Farm Bait and Taco Soupy Grangey Road? Stephanie gushed. Dandy and Gotina stared at her in shock. What do you mean, says? Wood can't say anything, Mangoat bleated. It's wood! It can't talk! Yeah, how do you know what it says? Dandy asked, squinting her eyes at the strange human markings on the board. Oh, I'm learning to read. The alpaca lady is always trying to teach her tiny human Billy to read, but like he hates it. So she just has to go over and over and over it again. Like cat, Arcturic, C-A-T, cat. That spells cat, C-K-A-C-A-T. It spells C the cat, it spells cat. But he just doesn't even pay any attention at all. And she's been like doing the lessons outside all summer so because he hates being inside, but he's not even paying attention. But 
I am. So yeah, I can read now. Me and Minerva can too. Not as good as Stephanie, but yeah, we all can read now. It's pretty cool. Raffaella put in. This is too much. Mangoat suddenly bleated. It's just too much. My baby sister, who I'm supposed to protect, saw ghosts in her dreams. And how am I even supposed to protect her in her dreams? And then you fill her head with some crazy murder story. And now there's this clubhouse and you can't even eat the food in it because the alpaca lady sprays on it, which is gross. And it turns out you three stay out all night every night up here and you're learning to... Goats can't read. Wood doesn't see anything. It's just wood. I'm going back to my mom. And with that, Mango turned tail and sprang down from the hayloft. Come on, Gotina! Hopped off a drying rack and made her way to the door. Gotina, who desperately wanted to know more about Ruby, could not stand the sight of her protector retreating. Wait for me! I'm coming too! Gotina bawled and leapt after her. Dandy shrugged. I guess we better be going back. Raffaella rolled her eyes. I told you they were just babies. Dandy glowered at her cousin and managed to get a nasty head crack in at Raffaella's kneecap before jumping down to follow the others. Only a few hours later, the sun came streaming into FM's cabin and tickled the farmer's eyelids. FM sat up in bed and opened her eyes. She looked down at Pearl. Pearl, enormous though she was, was curled up in a ball at the foot of FM's bed, watching her, waiting for her to wake up, not wearing a plague doctor mask. Consumption, FM said. I don't have consumption, Pearl. And what were you doing with Gratso, huh? My Gratso's been dead eight years. Stay away from cats, Pearl. They'll claw your eyes out. You don't know what cats are like. I love them, but, well, I don't think you know your way around a cat, Pearl. <coughs> Pearl answered indignantly. FM narrowed her eyes at her. Seaside cure, she muttered. I'm not a sheep, Pearl, you understand? You can't boss me around, even if you are wearing an old doctor outfit. Seaside cure, my eye. Pearl just stared mournfully back, letting the sunrise on her majestic fur do the talking. Yeah. That's exactly the look you gave me in my dream, Pearl, just now. She broke off to sing. When you dream, when you dream, you're innocent. When you dream. Yeah, I know what the song says, Pearl. But that song is talking about humans. What about dogs? Hmm? I'm not sure dogs are innocent in your dreams. And cats are definitely not innocent in dreams or anywhere else. I think that maybe when your dog shows up dressed like an old-time quack doctor in your dream and tells you you have to take the seaside cure. I'm not at all sure, she narrowed her eyes again at Pearl. I'm not at all sure that the real dog doesn't have anything to do with it. Pearl looked away. I thought so, FM said. I'm getting up. I probably have to chase the chickens out of the pumpkin patch again. But as she made to get up, the old twinge in her back hurt. And so she stayed in bed a minute, watching the sunrise, and by and by she noticed that she was humming to herself. By the sea, by the sea, by the beautiful sea. Oh, drat, Pearl! Mm -hmm. 
said the dog. F.M. sighed. I can't take a vacation. I've never taken a vacation from this farm. Not, not since I moved here 20 years ago. How could I leave, Pearl? The animals depend on me. <laughs> Pearl said. Pearl was anxious that F.M. should stop talking and get up and make her her kibble with organ meat. Get up, huh? Woof! F.M. wriggled her body to the edge of the bed, but the old soreness shot up her spine. She put her feet on the floor and looked up at Pearl. Seasidevacations.com, huh? Okay, Pearl. Seasidevacations.com, I guess. I mean, what am I supposed to do? My dog and my old cat teaming up on me in my dreams? But this was your idea, Pearl. You have to stay here and help take care of the animals. <laughs> Pearl had not really understood most of what FM had been talking about, but this last bit had been clear enough. Don't worry, Pearl, FM said. I won't leave you to do it alone. I... You're right. It's time I took a little vacation. She rubbed her back. I do need it. And it just so happens that the person who I need to help you is back in town. <coughs> Pearl didn't like the sound of any of that. for coming with us on this journey, this very start of this journey. Before you go, please do take the time to leave us a review on your podcast app. And also, please follow us, Go to American Novel Paul on Instagram, for all your fun behind-the-scenes stuff. The Go to American Novel is written and performed by Hildy Festerling, with additional voice performances by Ursula Bucher, Johnny Bucher, Gabriel Alden, Caleb Alden, and Aaron Alden. Yes, it is a family jam. Our amazing opening theme is by the Steam Brass Band. Definitely check them out. Our in-episode music was performed by Elliot Tothill, Emma Radosevich, Joshua Rutherford, and Peter Hutchinson at the Electric Unicorn Studio in Bellingham, Washington. Our producer and art director is Aaron Alden, and our project manager is Courtney Lyons. Our children's library consultant is Ursula Bucher, and thanks so much to Johnny Bucher for all the technical assistance. Until next time. Seven seas, everybody's looking for something.